I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Folks, we're back. Hockey colon a podcast biscuits no wait that's not right biscuits calling a hockey podcast we're back we're moving quickly today we're not going to dilly dally in the interview or in the intro i'm dave i'm dave lozo of uh the internet and i'm in brooklyn and where's my buddy where's my friend hey everyone it's sean uh i'm up here in balmy ottawa and uh yeah we're ready to go what is it well before we get to that what is it today is it is it it's like almost zero what does that like mean? It's, it's is, getting close to zero. So it's like 32. Yeah, it's like so, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It, so it means like it's cold, but when you walk outside, you can make it to the bottom of your driveway without your face hurting and <laughs> your eyelashes together. So we're we're pretty happy. Yeah, it's Bobby down here too. All right. So there's a lot to get to because there's a lot of stuff to get to. Sadly, we're not going to get to the All Star snubs because by the time those come out, we'll be we'll have done the show already. So just assume that we're mad about all the stuff you're mad about, and we feel like all the guys that got in deserve to get in, except for those like three oh, or four guys. Uh, I can't believe that one guy didn't get picked. I mean, seriously, who, who actually did... didn't didn't want to go and secretly told the league not to pick him, <laughs> but I'm still really angry about it. How does Josh Bailey get left off the All Star team? I don't get crazy. It. I'm, I'm assuming that one really happens. Josh Bailey. I mean, he's second or third in the league in points, and he's he's not he's not an all star. I mean, because of the, that division, that's insane. That's terrible, terrible job by hockey apps. But speaking of terrible jobs, the Edmonton Oilers, Pete Chiarelli, under it's not going well. I, I I I it's it's so funny to watch the Edmonton media because it feels like they're all you know, like a month or two behind everybody else where like back in November, we all sort of identified all the problems. We all sort of said, well, yeah, there's six points out, but that six points is massive because of this and that and the other thing. And man, it looks like they're, they're lacking wingers and they're lacking depth. And maybe they, maybe they messed up and there was like pushback, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to, this, this team went to the conference finals last year. And now here we are in January and the entire Edmonton media is like, Hey, you know, something may not be right here. And yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot wrong. Welcome to the party gang. It's open bar. Yeah. There's, there's more than a few things wrong, but, but you know what? The weird thing is up until like two weeks ago or, or, you know, the last, you know, less than 10 games, like you could have made that case that the Oilers were, a okay team that was doing poorly in the standings, but that, you know, that they weren't a total disaster, but the last, like, I mean, what is it? The last five games, I think they've been outscored 20 to three. Yeah, that's bad. 
That's not good. That's bad. That's not good. I don't, I'm not an analytics guy, but I feel like 20 <laughs> is way more than three. And that's, that's bad. Oh God. So like they're, you know, at, at the time, and it was, you know, right after the Christmas break too. So you think maybe that's like, okay, you get away, you recharge, come back. And now you make your second half push. And instead it's just, it's been to, to borrow the Brian Burke phrase. It's the old 18 wheeler off the side of the cliff. And yeah, like all of a sudden the, the tune has very much changed even in, even in Edmonton where the, you know, the, like the Edmonton's weird in terms of the coverage they get because there's, there's a very, you know, they get a lot of local coverage as you would expect from a, a Canadian team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, that, that coverage is, I, there, there's sometimes there's a perception out there that the, the, coverage they get locally is uh is is a little bit too homerish or a little bit too pro team i'm not sure that's true i i think it's very the 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 problem there is like edmonton's the one market that's still fighting the great blogger versus media war right like that (laughs) everyone else got passed years ago like when my when my son comes up to me and he's like dad is it true that the bloggers and the media used to hate each other and i'll be like yeah you know like in 2009 for like a year or two, but then we all got over it and, and we're friends now. And he'd be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. I would have been cool to see. It's like, well, you're in luck because there is a town <laughs> called Edmonton where there's still like Edmonton is like the civil war reenactment hobbyists of the blogger versus media war. They're, they're still doing it. So when you have all these analytics guys who are like, there's a problem here, the local media was like, no, there is not a problem. But the, the interesting thing is with Edmonton, there, there's all this local media covering them, but typically when the big stories break and the big scoops come, it's more the national media that gets them for whatever reason. Mm, and it? so what yeah. you... Yeah. yeah, Elliot, yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, Elliot broke the Taylor Hall trade, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, that one kind of broke all at once, but it's it's not like, you know, the... the and, and I mean, this happens in other markets too. I mean, the the... the Freeman's and McKenzie's and, and those guys are are super plugged in for a reason. And but the thing to you know with Edmonton is is you always kind of watch and see when does the national media start jumping on things. And they've really kind of come in. Even even some guys who don't always uh you know don't always weigh in, like you know, like John Shannon is a guy that doesn't he, he's not as prolific as some of the other guys as as far as being an insider who 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 is it was on top of all sorts of different stories. He kind of chooses his spots a little more carefully, but he seems very, very plugged into what's going on in Edmonton. And when you see him weighing in, uh, that sort of sets off the flare that they're there. This may be more than just, Hey, a team's in a slump. So we're all going to talk about people getting fired. Cause that's what we do. Like if it really feels like something significant, maybe about to go down in Edmonton, uh, whether it's a, a player move or a coach or a GM or, all of the above, uh, because there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of smoke and it's smoke that's coming from the sort of sources that usually signal that there is a fire somewhere. See, even in 2017, I can still understand, or I can still at least, you know, not identify with, but I'm, I'm, I'm empathetic towards the whole analytics thing. I can totally see how if, you know, Edmonton, 
you know, possession wise isn't looking very good and they're still winning and there's still that people, there's still people out there that say, I don't know, they're winning. It's, I, I think the PDO is 106.7 because of what they do. Like, you're just like, no, but you, you can still understand where that comes from. But the idea that the Oilers were winning last year because they traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, like that was it. Like, well, let's see, Taylor Hall, one of the best wingers in the league. We got it. We got a, you know, second pairing defenseman out of it. And then we got to like 110 points in the conference finals. Clearly, Taylor Hall is the problem. Like that's that that's that's where I can't really even sort of be like, well, I see where they're coming from. Like, no, no, you had Connor McDavid for a full season. You had Cam Talbot making every single save while your defense broke down in front of him. That's why they won. So now here we are a year later, and suddenly Cam Talbot's not Henrik Lundqvist anymore, and people are just like, well, I don't know. Uh, is it the GMs? Yes, it is. We've 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 been talking about this for a while now, and the idea that so I, I, in terms of fixing it, if Sean and Dave are going to fix this, man, like I, I I don't even know if it's I don't even know if it's fixable at this point because yeah, what do you I, what do you do? I don't you, think it's midseason fixable. No, and like I I think one of our like one of our reader questions that somebody sent was you know did to rebuild in Edmonton? I don't even know how you rebuild. Like they're so young. Now, uh, you know, I mean, who do you, if you turned around and said, we're going to trade core players for future picks. I mean, it's, it's all guys that are either young enough that you'd never move them or guys that when you look at their age and production and contract, you'd never be able to move. They're trapped. Like no one's, no one's giving you a first round pick for Milan Lucic at this point. Like no one's, uh, someone's, someone will give you something for Chris Russell. There's somebody out there somewhere, but, but yeah, like, I mean, it, and the other thing, you know, you talk about, you know, some of the numbers and the analytics and, and how, you know, a lot of their underlying numbers look good. Mm-hmm. But part of that is that the, you know, the underlying numbers we use are almost always five on five and they're just getting killed on special teams. Like their penalty killing is historically terrible. They're running at the, I, I think it was like 71%. Uh, and, you know, to, to put that in context, I looked it up because I wrote a thing today. And so I, I went and I looked it up. The mid-80s Oilers dynasty had one season where their power play ran 29%. So basically, this year's Oilers are turning their opponents into <laughs> the Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Coffee era Oilers every single night. Like, I mean, that right there, how do you, you know, if you had a good team, but every time the other team got a power play, they got to put in their prime Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Coffee, and you had to put out a five foot seven goalie wearing eighties equipment. <laughs> uh, how do you how do you overcome that? How do you like how do you get past uh, get past? And that's you know what they're what they're up against. And in a way, it's I guess it's you know if you want to look on the bright side, like typically special teams can be fixed, and they you know it's it's not unusual to see a team go from one extreme to another in a relatively short period of time. But, you know, the power play isn't very good, even, you know, especially for one that has Connor McDavid on it. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned like the goaltending just isn't there. Um, there's nothing there. But, it's over. But there's it's just, there's really nothing there. And, and, and the, what the interesting thing is, you know, we've, we've seen it this week where, you know, there was again, like it, in, in the Edmonton media, there's this weird thing where it, there was like three or four stories all came out on the same day saying it's not just the coach, you have to look at the GM and, you know, basically preemptively defending against Todd McClellan, maybe 
taking the fall. And then it was like the next day, everybody kind of looked around and went, wait a second, nobody was really calling for Todd McClellan to, to, to get fired over this. So where did that come from? And Peter Shirelli has said he's not looking to make changes. He, he sort of chose his words, it seemed, a little carefully. Like, he didn't he didn't do the emphatic Ron Hextel, no, I'm not firing the coach, period, stop asking me. It was more of a, that's not something I'm looking at right now. Right but now. even he acknowledged, like, they might be looking at me right now. Like, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, and... And if you look at the Oilers' schedule right now, they they like they're getting they're going out there and just getting getting crushed every night. They've got Nashville, I think tonight. They've got Arizona and the and the Knights on back to back nights, and the, the, these are all road games. They're on a five game road trip right now. So Nashville, Arizona, Vegas. I mean, it's, then, it's over. They're not coming back. I mean, it doesn't matter. Who they well, they're play. not coming. I'm not talking about coming back. I'm talking about they finish this road trip and then they've got their bye week. So if you go 0 for 3 on the rest of this road trip and then you come back, I mean, if you're ever going to make a change as an organization, you're not going to do it when you got a game the next night. You're not going to drop a new coach in that afternoon and expect him to hit the ground running. You're going to do it when you've got a gap in the schedule and they've got a full week. It's not even just the regular bye week. They've got like a full week off before they play again. And then they play at home against the Canucks and the Sabres are the first two teams they face, which are two terrible teams. So if you were looking to make a change in a situation where you would expect to potentially come back and, and be able to put a few wins on the board and and you know maybe maybe pull some of the fans back on side, like you're never gonna have a better a better time than this. You know what I wonder, and it's different because because Picciarelli really just sabotaged the roster, but the Maple Leafs, they got Mike Babcock, and everyone's like, we got Mike Babcock. Oh, man, things are going to go great. And Mike Babcock was like, fellas, I got one word for you, pain. This is going to be brutal. We're yep. not turning this around right away. Just FYI, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck for a long time. And then they got to the playoffs quicker than anybody thought. They didn't go to the conference finals. They lost in the first round. But I thought Toronto did a really good job of managing expectations among everybody when they when they got they got Babcock, they got Matthews, they called up all their kids. They were just like, "Look, like this is this is going to be a process. You need to you need to be patient." And Edmonton, I mean, their their thing kind of happened sort of out of nowhere. Like we all thought they'd be good with McDavid playing for a full season after he broke the collarbone his rookie year. But once they got to the conference finals, there really wasn't any sort of like, you know, you know, like temping down expectations where they would just be like, Hey, look, we got to the conference finals last year, but we got a lot of work to do. We, they, I, I feel like yeah. they, they, if they would have done a better job there, maybe things would be different in terms of perception. But at the same time, you know, Brendan Shanahan and Lou Lamarillo and Kyle Dubas are not going out and signing Mil- Milan Lucic for seven years. They're going out and getting Patrick Marlowe for three. So they're, they're, I mean, mm-hmm. it's two different rosters, two different management groups, but if you just had, Somebody at the forefront of the Oilers when McDavid had that first good season and won the MVP, who was just like, "Look, we we that was a really good first step, but we got a ways to go here. Maybe this year would would not be as jarring. It would still you'd still be hearing stuff, but I don't know." But, but the flip side of that is, I mean, this is this is the last year of McDavid's entry level deal. Oh yeah, like th- this is so screwed. <laughs> this is the absolute greatest gift that you can ever get as a team, and they got it through pure luck by winning the lottery. They get. A generational player on a entry level deal in in a cap league. I mean, that is absolutely the number one asset you can possibly have. 
and they get it for three years. And year one, he gets hurt. The team's bad. I mean, I don't think anyone expected him to come in and, and turn him into contender year one. Year two, pretty good. You know, there, there's some second guessing would be that there should have been more of a sense of urgency that, that they should have been, uh, they, you know, they, they should have been really looking at this year as a chance to, um, you know, to, to really take their swing. And they, I mean, they didn't really do that. They seemed to, to sort of be satisfied with last year's team and largely bring that, that squad back and, you know. I don't know. And I, also, I don't the, know what... the idea that they traded Everly after last season because they were afraid yeah. of losing Drysital to a to an offer sheet like that's yeah. Eh. Like and, just... you know, and, and and now they don't now they don't have they don't have wingers and yeah. I I mean it's it's just messing. It's got to be it's got to be a miserable time to to be on that team and and to I mean that's that's a tough market at the best of times. And it, you know, and the other thing, somebody pointed this out to me, and I hadn't, I, I'd never picked up on this, but that, you know, when when I said that they play Nashville, Arizona, Vegas, that last game against Vegas, it's January thirteenth, which is Connor McDavid's twenty first birthday. <laughs> they put Con- they put the Oilers in Vegas on Connor McDavid's twenty first birthday the night before their bye week. Like, tell me when that schedule came out that everyone on that team wasn't like, that is going to be, like, we, that is going to be the greatest night ever. <laughs> and now it's like, no, it's not. You, you're going home quietly and sadly on an airplane. You know what? I, yeah. I wonder if you, if you can trace the whole season back to the moment when the players saw that on the schedule and they just immediately Maybe. looked ahead to January 13th, just getting Connor McDavid all drunk in, in Vegas on, on his birthday. Talk about the Vegas flu, that would be, yeah. That, <laughs> the Vegas flu is that powerful that it like reached out and infected the Oilers. For uh, Maybe that's what they need. Maybe, you know, forget training. Everybody, you know what? Everybody just stay in Vegas for the next week. Fly back yeah. three hours before the Canucks game and and just forget, literally forget everything that happened in the first half and, Play guilty for a little while, and I mean, who knows? That's that's the that's and certainly nothing else is working because I don't like. I I love looking at teams that are doing poorly, and you go, well, here's what they should have done, and here's what I would. I I, I don't have any answers for the Oilers right now. Like no, I don't. It's over. Other than going back and saying, you know, build a time machine and don't don't trade Taylor Hall, don't trade. I don't know. Did you see the other? Speaking of Taylor Hall, did you see the that this may, maybe this was only like a local Ottawa thing. But there was a report. One of the insiders went on the radio and said that the the senators nearly got Taylor Hall, and that it was Cody Cece. Oh yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen that stuff on Twitter. That, and yeah. he said, yeah, uh, and, and he said, I, and I'm not sure if it was a one for one. Di- so, I, if you're looking at the <laughs> if you're looking at the Adam Larson going, you couldn't possibly have done any worse. Oh, well, you could. I mean, talk like like somebody said that was almost like a story created in a lab to infuriate two fan bases at once <laughs> the oilers looking to make an incompetent trade and then the senators not being able to do it because like dorian had to check with eugene melnick and they didn't get back to them in time and so they went to to the devils instead oh, um, well at least the devils are in last place and hall's not leading them into the playoffs this year so right. so to, to put a bow on the Edmonton thing, they're they're eight points out of the playoffs. They're they're nine points out of the third place in their division, but they've played more games than the teams they're chasing. The problem 
also is they can they can't really sink lower than third, so they can't even they can't even really get into. I mean, they can get into the mix for the for the first pick, you know, percentage. Oh, they're wise. always in the mix. I mean, they, they do find ways. If there's one thing the Oilers can do, it's win lotteries. But you know what I mean? A game a game changing defenseman who apparently was created in a X Men mutant lab with the DNA of Nick Lidstrom and Eric Carlson, and everybody thinks he's the greatest player of all time might yeah. be the thing Edmonton needs. So. You never know. I, I tell you, though, I mean, imagine if they miss the playoffs and then they win the draft lottery. That's People all I want. Lose I, their mind. And, but, I mean, that's like... That's the best Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be. But, you know, like, I feel like that's going to happen. And then the Oilers, eventually, it's going to click on... Maybe they get different management. They're going to win, like, five cups in a row. And nobody will give them any credit. Like, nobody will ever talk to them as a great dynasty or anything. It'll just be, you guys won the lottery. And the NHL was too dumb to just change the lottery rules. The one change that the NHL could make that nobody would complain about to say, if you win the lottery, you can't win the lottery again for three years. Like, who's going to complain? Even the team, even the last place team isn't going to complain about that because they're going to say, well, yeah, we're not expecting to. Right finish last again yeah. year after year you got to pretend like you're not going to do that that's not like bad. how are you, you you finish first you don't you can't win the lottery for three years you finish second it's two you finish third it's one hmm. like who objects to that hmm. the nhl could have i mean they they could have done it after the Oilers won three straight they certainly could have done it after they won mcdavid that's the, the like people forget the first year of Connor mcdavid the oilers were one point away from taking less place from the Leafs and that's the spot the one the Oilers were one more were one win away from having Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and well they would they would they wouldn't have gotten both they would have got McDavid first they probably wouldn't have been in the same spot to get Matthews no they would have been no I'm saying they had McDavid the first year with McDavid where he was hurt oh the Oilers oh I thought you were saying the the Leafs could have gotten McDavid that for oh no 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 not, not 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 the Leafs the Oilers were yeah the the Oilers were one win if they had lost in fact they and it was their last game the last game at the old uh the old arena they played the Canucks and they won that game meaningless game but that ended up giving them the two points that that let them finish one point ahead of the Leafs or they would have had Austin Matthews too and would they though or yeah. would the nhl have rigged it so that the leafs got austin matthews no matter what the nhl does huh? not rig uh, huh? is the second that Connor mcdavid went to the edmonton oilers we could put to rest any talk ever that the <laughs> nhl is rigging the draft lottery like i but maybe that was the point where they decided they had to rig it they were just they said well, if they didn't do it before you have the all-time franchise player from heaven descending down to the earth and he goes to the like i, I wrote the day before jokingly but i said if the oilers win the lottery like the nhl has to rig it and not even like in secret like bill daly should just walk onto the camera like into the camera shot and stuff all the pinball ping pong balls back into the machine and just yell take two and we just do it again and then it's like oh the kings bill we're live we're, we're live across canada and north america i don't care yeah i, I don't care who Literally, cares does anybody object to this no you know and like you just cut <laughs> Hard, hard cut over to Connor McDavid, like, you know, just cheering on his build it. Like, like, what numbers do the Oilers? Okay, I'm throwing those out. Do it again. <laughs> the fact that they didn't do that, I will never accuse the NHL of rigging the draft lottery ever. We all know they would have rigged it for the Coyotes if they were going to do that for, for Austin Matthews. Yeah, that's what we need is, is more star players than the Coyotes that nobody knows about because they never do anything. But um, it's a it's a point in the show where we take our legendary little break and then we come back right away. Uh, you know, we, who 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 knows 
who knows who could be sponsoring us here at this commercial break. But all I know is, is that their products are fantastic. And uh, we'll be back in two seconds. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So we've uh, we've we've clearly steered away from being in Ottawa Senators podcast, and we're now we're not, we're focusing on more disasters like the Oilers. And one of the ways people want to fix the Oilers is by firing Todd McClellan, which probably isn't going to solve anything. It's definitely not going to solve anything. But as as we approach the bye weeks, as as Sean so uh, smartly brought up earlier, no coaches have been fired yet this season, which. I don't. I, I. I. There's no way to look back through the archives, but not not where I live anyway, and and find how long it's been since it's been this long into a season when no one's been fired. But I'm going to say it's never Some, happened. Somebody did that. Did no, they? Somebody did that, wow. and it was they went back, and it was the 66-67 season that's was the ins- last time. That's insane. That we made it to the halfway point with no coaches being fired. So basically, it's when there was never happened teams. in the modern yeah. expansion era. Yeah. When there were six, there was only six coaches to fire. Right. That's insane. So it's it's we've never had anything like this where no coaches have been fired and even you know like other than Todd McClellan like it's not like there's eight guys hanging by a string and you're just wondering who the first to go is going to be Dave Axel <laughs> Dave Axel see well uh, like, think, we, we, we've, we've we've talked about this before but it's a weird season where Arizona's bad first year coach Buffalo's bad first year coach Montreal's bad first full year for for Claude Julien there's there's a lot of situations where teams are disappointing but yeah. their coaches just got like, there you, you think they can't fire Guy Boucher in Ottawa after, t- you know, second year, take him to the conference final? Right. Like Elaine Vigneault was on the ropes to start the season, yeah. but now the Rangers have turned it around, even though I, st- I can't prove it. I can't prove he's a bad coach, but I just don't understand some of his decisions here. It's it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at it too closely. But yeah, there's just situations. Like to me, the coaches that I feel like, like they don't necessarily deserve to be fired, but. It, it's Hackstall, it's McClellan, and, and then McClellan's barely in that list. But Bill Peters, like yeah. I, I just I, I watch some of these teams, and I feel like some of these teams are underperforming. But then you look at the standings, and the Panthers are a point out of the playoffs. The Flyers are two points out of the playoffs, and no no coach is ever going to get fired in that situation unless they're you know coming off of a stalemate. Even then, if you're if you have a team that has high expectations and you're right by the playoffs, you're not going to gut your team in in, in January. So. Think. I mean, Boston and Montreal both did it last year. Uh, so, you know, it can happen, but yeah, uh, yeah I I'm, I mean, I think th- the other thing is there's guys that you look at and you go, "Okay, if they miss the playoffs, this guy's probably gone. But then that's the situation. I mean, that's an end of the year thing, right? Like you mentioned Bill Peters, and I think he's a good example of someone who, I mean, you know, they're, they're missing the playoffs year after year after year at some point, even if it's not the coach's fault, you, you got to maybe try a new voice. Uh, you know, did they make a change in Detroit? Yeah. But why, especially if, if people think there may be a new GM in Detroit, you know, you don't, you don't go and do that now. 
uh, you, you let the you let the GM come in and make his own call. So, yeah, it's it's really weird. Like I, I, I mean, what, what's your over under on how many we'll have by the end of the season? So how many how many in season firings? How many, how many coach? Yeah, how many co- like in season? So like by the last day of the schedule. All right. You think, like, will we get to three? If if we're not including like game eighty one firings where they just want to get a head start on everybody, you know, I'm talk- like like in right. in the meat of the season, I would set the over under at one and a half because yeah, it's, I I I don't know which way I'd go if, after I set that over. But someone's gonna get the bye weeks are coming up. The, someone's gonna probably gonna get fired during the bye weeks just because, like you said, that's the time to do it because you can bring in a new coach. Yeah. I mean, there's no practices then, but you can still bring in a new coach and and have him get acclimated and all that. But I, I just like if if the Flyers go into the break a point out of the playoffs, I mean, I, I, again, like it's just I, I don't like so like I don't love Elaine Vigneault. I just I I feel like he has a hard time coaching anybody under the age of thirty six. Like he just he loses his mind if anyone under the age of twenty four makes a mistake in, in their own zone and then they get scratched for a player who's not as good. But they're they're sitting in a wild card spot. And so like if you're gonna fire these guys, who are you gonna bring in? Like who are the who are the guys just sitting around on a on a, on a ranch somewhere and, and just hanging out and waiting for that phone call? It's that's I mean, I that's know. part of it. You you do it mid season, you're I mean there's a hand I mean, Daryl Sutter's still out there. There's I'm trying to there's I feel like there's one other There's assistants kind of you know, like like Lydia. Yeah, or and then there's you know, do I have do I have an assistant ready to go? Yeah, like Lindy Ruff in He's just sitting there. New York. Where you'd say, okay, we've got a guy that we can hand the reins over to. You're, you can't hire anyone from any other organization. You're, if you've got a guy in the AHL, but you know, again, that's a tough, that's a tough spot to bring a guy up in. Even Doug Waite, uh, I, I don't really necessarily like Doug Waite. I feel like that. Yeah, everyone going into the year thought the Islanders were going to be a non-playoff team. I think they were, like in Vegas, I think they had like the fifth worst odds of being a playoff team, and it turns out they've got. You know they got Matt Barzell. They have all these guys. Like Josh Bailey's having a career year, and I, I, it's so hard to judge how good a coach is. I think a lot of people look at underlying numbers and they look at possession numbers and they 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 see if the system they have drives possession. But like when I look at Bill Peters and I look at Doug Waite and then I look at the goaltending they're getting, part of you goes, "Well, I mean, how are you going to win games if you're not getting any goaltending?" But part of me also says yeah. the goaltending was wasn't as bad with the previous regime. I guess not with Bill Peters because he's been there forever. So is that is that something that the coach could do could, to make life easier on the goaltender and make the team better? I don't know. But, but again, it, you know, it's, it's first, his first first full year. Right. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. And then I'm just kind of looking down the list here. There's I mean, part of it is that so many guys are there's there's been sort of so much churn the last couple of years that there, there's a lot of guys still in their second year, still in their you know second full year, whatever. But I you know I don't know. Glenn Gullitson, is he? Potential. I mean, he had his big meltdown. Yeah, did a performance art at practice, which is that's always a tricky card to play because if you don't get a response, it. Uh, to be fair, he probably just found out about Yager. Yager. He just learned Yager might not stay in the league anymore, so he's probably just upset about that. I mean, we all were. You know, you got you want to yeah. give him a pass on that. Yeah, that's right. But you know, again, like that's Calgary is one of those teams where you know if you just listen to flames fans and and some of the media it, it sounds like the sky's falling and then you look at the standings and they're one point out of the playoffs and they've won three in a row and they're just coming off a big win over the ducks and you go okay well i mean you wouldn't think that'd be the time to do it but yeah you're i mean the the bye weeks you would think would be the time and and this year 
the NHL has like condensed all the body. Like it's only two weeks. I don't know if like people realize this. It's not like past years where they were all spread out and every year, every week there were three or four teams, like half the league is off next week. And then the other half is off the week after that. And then we're done with bye weeks. So it's, I mean, it's kind of everyone, everyone going at once. So, so here, here's here are the coaches. Is there, is there, can I just throw one other name at you? Yeah, I, got, I, I was I was I was about to go through the list of all the teams that aren't in the playoffs right now and see which coaches could be fired because it just. Well, seems... I'll, I'll give you a team that's that's you know again in the same position as Calgary. They're 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 right in the mix, but is there any chance Joel Quenville goes during the season? Like we, oh, man. I think we've we've all felt for a while like there was some. That's you know, that's like an Edmonton Bo- thing. Bowman though. and Quenville. Well, but it's different because, like, because first of all, he's been there forever. Obviously, had a ton of success, but it, it's you know, remember there was that thing in the off season where Bowman fired Mike Kitchen, who was Quenville's like number one assistant, like his guy, and it was interpreted as kind of a warning shot and, and sort of a power move. That I'm not, okay, I'm not going to fire you, but I'm going to ice your your best friend here, and and there was some bad feelings about that, and you know, I think there's. There's been thoughts that you know if the Blackhawks had a had a rough year, missed the playoffs, that maybe both sides would want to take the opportunity to say, okay, we've you know it's been a good run, but let's let's go in a different direction. Could it happen mid season? I don't. I mean, I mean, it could just because Stan Bowman, but in terms Darryl of Daryl Sutter back to the Blackhawks, but like in terms of him deserving it, when when you have your GM, you know, no. gutting, gutting your team every well, three years, and, and and that's you know what that's the other thing because the the other question is. Who are the coaches that if they got fired, it would be like a Claude Julian situation where some other team goes, okay, wait a second, I wasn't going to fire my coach, but if this guy's available right now, oh yeah, That's... I'm going to make the move. Like Quen- Quenville could work the next day if he wanted to. It, I don't, I have no idea if he mm-hmm. want to take time off or whatever. But there's would be, you know, your your Mike Babcock bidding war guy, but I don't know, man, I don't know. Yeah. So we have, you have Arizona, Rick Tockett. He's not going anywhere. Vancouver, Travis Green. Everyone seems to think he's doing a great job there, even though that team is in 29th place or whatever. Uh, Todd McClellan, eh, maybe. Glenn Gullitson, maybe. Joel Quenville, eh. I mean, eh, Bruce Boudreau is not going to get fired. Randy Carlisle is probably not going to get fired. You go to the Bruce, East. Bruce Boudreau, I could see Boudreau getting fired if they lost in the playoffs again, but not, yeah, not, not mid-season. Not you got to let him get to the... Yeah, in terms of mid-season stuff, like you've got – they got Phil Housley. He just got there. Guy Boucher just got within a goal of the Stanley Cup final. Claude Julian just got Guy, there. Guy Boucher, you can never totally rule out Ottawa because they're so trigger happy. Yeah, and and doesn't it, coaches in Ottawa do not get big, lengthy contracts. So I know whenever you talk about someone getting fired in Ottawa, everyone goes, "Oh, they don't want to pay two guys." Yeah, they don't, but they they barely pay one guy even when they have the job. So I wouldn't. Boucher, like I, I wrote a thing like two months ago where I was like, can I, can we find five coaches who absolutely are guaranteed not to get fired? And Boucher was like third on my list because the senators were coming off conference finals and they they had had a good first month. And I was like, well, yeah, clearly he'll never get fired. And I'm like, at this point, I think it's unlikely, no but way. not no way possible. There's not, I don't that. think it's a no way. Not even Otto is that dysfunctional where they'd fire Guy Boucher in the middle of the season after he just went to the conference finals, game seven, double overtime. There's no way. No way. We should bet on this. If 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 I'm if I'm right, if I'm right, you have to walk to Brooklyn in the offseason. And if I'm wrong, I have to 
go into hiding because I'm not going to walk to Ottawa. <laughs> no, nobody. <laughs> no bet. But the, 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 the last guy on the list that we haven't talked about is, is Jeff Blaschel, who I, yeah. I feel like in any other Red Wings season, he would be out on his ass during the bye week. But that's a bad roster. It's a roster in flux. And Ken Holland is very likely in his last year running the team there. Yeah. So what's the point of him making a coaching change midseason when he's not going to be there next year? There's no, there's every reason in the world to let Jeff Blashell just finish the season. Yeah. No, nobody's, nobody is going to come in and take that job in midseason. Right. Other than an assistant or someone on an interim basis, because they know that there's a good chance there's new management coming in and you never want to be the coach who was hired by the last guy when the new guy comes in. And then, I mean, you look at the playoff teams, I can't even see any playoff teams where it, where you'd say, yeah, this is, you know, obviously any of these teams drop out. The Rangers could go back into play. Uh, you know, I don't think yeah. anyone else in the East. No. The West, everybody's everybody's kind of locked in. I mean, San Jose, yeah, they're looking sort of iffy, but... I mean, they've only played 40 like games. I mean, Dallas... Dallas has got Ken Hitchcock yeah. just got there. Colorado, we all thought Jared Bednar was, you know, was the first guy gone, and maybe it turns out he's actually when you give him more than, yeah, <laughs> like seven hours to prepare for opening night, he turns out to maybe be maybe be not so bad. It turns out when you give a new employee just a little more time to get acclimated and just don't show him the orientation video and shove him in front of a desk, he's actually yeah. a decent employee. Who knew? Amazing. Um, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, this this really um, this broke my heart because um, I am deeply invested in the World Junior Championships, and I know how important it is to play in them. I know what it means to represent your country in this two-week tournament involving people of a very specific age below the age of 20. And I don't know about you, but but when I get one of those medals, even if it's a silver, I believe mm. it should be cherished I believe that it should be taken home and shared with your family. I believe you should lock it in a safe and then once a month sit down by the fire, pull out that silver medal, look at it, and reflect on how you had the most heartbreaking loss of your life at that point and never wanted to think about it again because if you were to ever give away that medal, <laughs> old people would be mad at me. That's 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 just uh, it's, it's it's just it's so infuriating. Yeah. I love how this this throwing the silver medal into the stand story. My, my favorite part of it is how all the cranky old people who are constantly complaining about participation trophies <laughs> are now furious <laughs> that somebody took a glorified participation trophy and threw it away uh, because they didn't want it. I... By the way, the best was reading the tweets. I didn't see the game, but I'm reading the tweets, and I saw like three or four tweets in a row that said whatever that kid's name was, was it Elias Anderson. Is that who did it? He threw the he threw That's the med, he threw the medal into the crowd, and I'm picturing him like whipping it into the crowd like a frisbee, and I'm like, "Whoa, dude! That's a that's a heavy metal object. You can't just throw that into the crowd." And then you see what he did, and you're just like, "Oh, well, yeah, that's like giving away his stick when you're the third star of a game. Yeah. Like, great, good for him. Who cares?" But he flung it, in, and how great is it that like it gets caught by a fan wearing a oh, Team USA jersey? Oh, that guy immediately oh. whips off the Team USA jersey and a few others, and gets and has a Team Sweden jersey on underneath. Yeah. Where's the outrage for that guy? Why 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 are we not more yeah. mad about this guy? Can you imagine imagine if that was like a a, a Sweden U or a Canada US gold medal game and you're just sitting next to this guy in a Canada or a US jersey the whole time and you're like, "Yeah, buddy, we're going to do this." And he's like, "Yeah, we are going to do it." And then Canada wins and then, you know, Canada for some reason a kid throws his gold medal into the crowd and the guy catches it and takes off his USA jersey and puts it over his Canada jersey. What what, what what's that guy doing? 
is he just trying to get on camera more? Like, but why, why would you, why would you ever layer up like that? That makes no sense. Yeah. I'm mad. That feels a little, uh, that makes me mad. Yeah. Throw away that's, your medal. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I get, I mean, this, because the kid's like, you know, he's what, he's 18 or 19 or whatever. Like he's had it drilled into his head his entire life that you're going to be a hockey player. You have to act like winning the championship is the only thing that ever matters. Mm-hmm. If you don't win, you have to be. It doesn't matter. If you're Austin Matthews and you score four goals in your first game, but your team loses, you have to act like you're really sad about that. Right. Because that's hockey culture. You you win or nothing else matters. We're constantly told only one team wins the Stanley Cup every year and everybody else is is a big loser who should feel sad and ashamed. So when somebody actually internalizes that and does the – uh, the natural thing that I guess you would do if you if you believed all that, you can't you can't get that. Like you can't think it's awesome that nobody will ever touch the conference championship trophy and be mad at this kid for not wanting a silver medal. <laughs> like, it's the exact same thing, right? I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna acknowledge that I just won the conference champion because it's that's that's not the prize we're interested in. We really want. Oh, shut up! You know, like well, maybe this would it be great if like maybe this is the new tradition is instead of not touching the conference championship trophy, pick it up and throw it into the stands. Hmm. If you're really committed, like, just, let's go. Just Come on. Drop it on some kid's head who's sitting behind the glass who's not paying attention. Yeah. I, like, let's go, Steven Stamkos. Are you really committed to, to, the, to the principle <laughs> or not? I want you to go over and shoot it like a, like a three-point shot. I want joy stripped out of hockey completely. Even when they win the cup, yeah. I want I want a, I want a team to be like, well, we shouldn't have lost game four. Kind of, kind of, kind of living, kind of living that down right now. But uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of cool the to greatest, win. Greatest, the greatest team in hockey history won five straight Stanley Cups. Have you won five straight Stanley Cups? No. <laughs> then why are you smiling? Why are you acting happy? You know what though? Part of me thinks that in the Olympics, right? Like, let's say you're you're, you're competing in an event like figure skating or. Oh, I don't even know. Like the the gymnastics, you know, like where, where like you're being judged by like three people, and you get like some random score with like a decimal point in it, and you get like a silver or a bronze for that. I'm okay with that because it's it's not like a competition where there's a definite winner. You're being judged by I'm assuming, I don't even know how, who the judges are, but you're, it's a sport where there's judges and there's grades. In a sport where there's a competition, and it's a matter of who wins and who loses and who has more points. I'm okay with not being given a silver medal because why would you like? Why would you want that? Like you, you competed and you absolutely, definitely lost to the other team or the other person. I sort of, kind of, like don't necessarily want something to remind me of that for the rest of my life until I die. Like I'd like to just be like, Maybe. well, yeah, we lost. Like there's, there's no like when you lose a Stanley Cup, you don't have to stand there on the ice while they're passing the cup around while like Bill Daly puts a stupid medal around your neck. You just go in your locker room have- and you'd be sad. They should give Stanley Cup runner-up rings. <laughs> like, it's like seriously. A big, a big ring with a frowny face on it. They make you stand on the ice with the team that won for like an hour. Ah, and you got to listen to their national anthem. Like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I just lost. Like, be respectful, shake hands and all that, sure. But like, after that, like, don't I don't need to stand there and get a participation ribbon. Yeah. Like, I'm totally with this kid, even though he's probably going to regret it in 10 the years. Same, the same, you know, like there's a lot of people, old school folks up here in Canada who are really upset about that. And yet anytime Canada loses in, in the semifinals of an international competition and has to play for a bronze medal, team Canada basically goes out and throws their sticks on the ice and does, and, and just lets the other, you know, they, they never even make an, I don't think Canada, Canada never wins a bronze medal because they, 
and and it's like a source of pride like yeah why would we even try for a crappy bronze medal well okay so it's the same it's the same principle i mean i I don't know i think my thing my thing is just do whatever you want if you want to keep the medal and be proud of it be proud of it if you don't want it you don't want it that's you know and i think you know one team's gonna win and especially it's a single elimination tournament as far as i'm concerned you've made it to the final you came within one goal great that's you know that's an accomplishment be proud of it but if you're not proud of it or you don't want the medal then i mean i could do a little bit without the theatrics i mean maybe you just take it and give it to your mom and dad and it goes in a safety deposit box somewhere but one kid throws it you know what it's you can't to me you can't be mad at this kid and like i say love all the nonsense about bronze medals and not touching the trophy and, and all this other stuff it's pick a lane one well, or the other. Well, what's what's the cash value of a silver medal from the World Juniors? Like, is it worth stuff? Like, how much is it worth? I, I don't know. Probably not a lot. I mean, it's we, silver. We may find out on eBay within the next... Uh, <laughs> Seriously, kid buys it back. In the next few days. He's like, I, re- I regret this. I'm, oh, man, somebody bid up on my medal again. Uh, put another 15 cents on top. Uh, well, I like how, like, they, gave it, they went and got it and gave it back. Like, it's, this is turning into a Twilight Zone episode where, like, this guy is like, I must throw this medal away. And every like he right he goes and throws it into the ocean and then wakes up the next morning and it's like on his pillow just staring back at him. Be a good, be a good episode. I'd watch that. Oh man, we got like about 10, 10 minutes or so left here. So um, we we got a little more time maybe than than the ten minutes that I just spoke up into the microphone. So your boy Nazim Kadri. Um, he he's he, I, I, look. I've never fought a guy with a beard, so so I don't know what I would do if that were me. But I, I feel like there's 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 the we, we talk about the code capital T capital C a lot, and I don't know if there's a line in the code about not ripping out your opponent's facial hair during a fight. But I feel like that should probably be amended during the next offseason yeah. because that's <laughs> that's that's not cool, man. We may need we may need an amendment. All right, I'm going full Homer here. I'm putting on my Leafs Homer hat. Okay. And I'm defending Nazem Kadri because he didn't do anything wrong in that fight with Joe Thornton. All he did was grab the guy's collar that he was fighting. Mm-hmm. Happens he was fighting one of the two or three guys in the league who has a crazy beard that goes down over his collar. It's no different than the NFL. You go to tackle a guy by the back of the jersey and he's got long hair. Right. You grab a handful of hair. That's totally that's part of the uniform. Joe Thornton's beard is part of the uniform. It's not his fault that Joe Thornton is old and has weak beard hair that falls out <laughs> in large clumps. And by the way, if you watch the replay, Joe Thornton responded to that by grabbing a handful of Nazem Kadri's actual hair and yanking on that. So if we're going to be mad at anyone, it should be Joe Thornton, but nobody can be mad at Joe Thornton ever. So I'm I'm completely fine with that and full credit to both of those guys. And, and my, my favorite uh, stat from that, that was the first time... That was the first fight off an opening face-off in a Leaf game since 1993. Really? How is that possible? Like, that doesn't that seem crazy long? Well, like, the, the, I mean, the, never the, Kessel, the Kessel John Scott thing. What was that? Was that during the game? Because that was that was off a face-off. Yeah, that was that was that was, that was off a face-off. Lots, but that was yeah, that was after the game had started. Uh, right? After another after another fight. Yeah, the first one since like Ken Baumgartner in 1993, and anything that brings back memories of Ken Baumgartner and or 1993 is. Uh, is is going to stick with me, but mm. yeah, like that. I, I like how Joe Thornton just like fights every few years, 
right off the faceoff and usually against a star player. He's fought twice this year now. He's, so he's fought Nazem Kadri yeah. and he fought... Um, he, he fought Tom Wilson. And which Tom was... Wilson, right. I wonder if like this is his farewell tour. He knows it's his last season, so he's just trying to beat the shit out of all the guys he hates. You know what I mean? I mean like, it's a just... compliment compliment to Kadri because usually like who like he fought yeah. he fought Getzlaff, he fought Taves, he fought uh, I think he Jamie just, Ben. He I just think. fights like, dudes he hates. Oh yeah, I did fight Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben seems likable except for the whole, you know, going down thing. Yeah. But that doesn't right. really affect me at all. So he seems like a pretty funny probably, guy otherwise. Probably probably not a major priority for Joe Thornton, <laughs> but maybe. Who knows? By the way, do you think beard and, do you think beard should be illegal? Because like you said, if your beard comes down over your jersey, I, like I don't know, like you're and you're in a I sport where beards should not be illegal, but I think at this point being really amazed and entertained by somebody having a beard should be illegal. Like yeah. we've, we've got like, yeah, we got crazy beards and how, yeah, we, we know like that's, I have a TV. I go especially I, see beards. I like, the, I like playoff beards. It's a good tradition, but we don't need to, we don't need like beard rankings and all this other stuff. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I hope, I hope Joe Thornton just continues to descend into like crazy old man territory. And he just, anyone who like, gets too close to him in the face-off circle, gets one slash across the ankles, and then that's it. You're going you're going to beard town. <laughs> grab a hold some grab a hold of some beard, baby, because we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna throw we're down. We're going dancing. Yeah. Who who else has a beard besides him and and Brent Burns where he could fight somebody Burns, and just have a big uh, beard fight? Well you know who he could fight would be Jordy Ben. Jordy could come to avenge his brother. Oh yeah. And then it'd be just Beard versus beard. And then it would like the ice would just look like it would look like a Western. It would just be tumbleweeds blowing all over the ice. Yeah, that's that's kind of gross. Just beard shrapnel everywhere and just the idea of short curly hairs all over the place doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't really it wouldn't be great. That's kinda of weird. Like people were so disgusted that like the linesman picked up the beard with like his bare hands. Like it's it's Joe Thornton's beard. Like I don't think he was sure it's maintained. Sure it's you know, groomed. Like, it's not like a yeah, smelly I'm pretty beard. sure he like spritzed it after the pregame meal like you know you're probably okay i think there's probably worst happen on the on the ice but yeah that's i've got i've got nasm's back on this one he's he got a bad a bad rap homer all right let's let's do some let's do some reader reader mail and then then move on with our lives today uh the flyers comma but better wants to know what do you think of making the winter classic always a rematch of the stanley cup final from the previous year what do you think of that? What are, what are your thoughts on that? The problem with that is the problem with that is then you wouldn't have enough time to, to pull it together. Like assuming unless it was going to be like a neutral site game, you're going to pick a location and then have it be a rematch. I guess you could do that, but they, you know, they like to have one team be the home team. And I don't think you can pull something like that together in 6 months. Yeah, you couldn't guarantee that the teams could do it anyway. Even even if you could do yeah. it. Yeah. It, like what if we get a that 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 Tampa Vegas final that we're going to get this year. We did well, we did one outdoor game in Vegas. We could do it again. We can. I mean, you can play outdoor hockey down down in the south in January. Like like last night's college football championship game was in Atlanta, and during the halftime show, Kendrick Lamar was outside breathing cold air for like five minutes. So you can you can do stuff if you play the game at night. <laughs> well, that was the so if Kendrick Lamar is breathing cold air. Yeah, like if Kendrick Lamar can go out and, and, and do his thing for like five, ten minutes, like we can play a hockey game in that temperature. I mean, come on, come on. That's how they should decide whether it's whether it's go time for the uh, for the winter classic. All right, Kendrick Lamar is going to come out and breathe. <laughs> we see Did cold we air. See? Yes, we saw breath. All right, game on. It was funny because there's a giant shadow that makes it impossible to watch. No, 
Kendrick says we're good. I turned. I like. I was watching that game. I turned it off and I came back for the halftime show. And I I thought I thought it was like on the field. I thought it was like a you know Super Bowl halftime show where they do it in the stadium. And it, and his breath was all cold. And I'm like, wow, is it really cold inside the dome? Like why why can I see his breath? Like what's going? And then I realized I'm I'm the stupidest person in in the world. So he obviously was outside. <laughs> Um, what else do we have here? Since a two-minute uh, from Wade Gulliver, since a two-minute penalty kind of kills three-on-three overtime, should the NHL go to penalty shots for all infractions during overtime? That's interesting. It's, yeah, I, I've, I kind of there like is a idea. lot of complaints that you kind of there's two problems with power plays in overtime. One is yeah, like when you go from three-on-three to four-on-three, it does kind of slow everything down. And number two, it it like it's. If you only got five minutes of overtime, get a two-minute penalty seems like kind of a disproportionate big chunk of that for what are sometimes minor infractions. What I would I wouldn't do penalty shots. I would do if I was going to make a change, I would I would say minor penalties in overtime or one minute. Hmm. You know what? I, I like the idea of the penalty shot only because like if you if you hook or trip somebody at five on five, you know whatever the play can just continue on. It's not going to lead to anything. But if you commit a penalty at three on three, you're essentially preventing a two on one or a three on two. Yeah. So to award a penalty shot for that, that's that's. But here's that's here's my bad. question: Would they call it then, or would we just see them put the whistles away like mm. they do in the playoffs, yeah. or like they did last night in the Leafs Columbus game where the Blue Jackets scored their winning goal? On a two-on-one where William Nylander didn't pick up his man and everybody was like, oh, that's that's a mistake by a young player. That's lazy back-checking. And then you watch the replay and it's like, oh, a guy jumped on the on the ice when the guy coming off was still 30 feet away from the bench and and like jumped from the other side of the bench and uh, they had too many men on the ice. But that's okay. I'm not. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a big problem at three-on-three. If you're Especially if you're yeah. at a game, you see that and you see how like how the liberties they take with the line changes at three-on-three that mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's that's a that's a kind Which of a quiet bad fine, thing. But in this case, it was like like Nylander's guy like went to the bench and then a guy like it was within 20 feet of the bench and a guy at the other end of the bench jumps onto the ice and joins the two-on-one. And it's like, yeah, that's probably going to be a little t- like assuming you can't teleport it's going to be a little tough to pick up that guy uh yuho taskinen the the finnish flash he wants to know it's, it's pretty much a lock that toronto and boston will meet in the first round of the playoffs does that give uh make any difference for the teams to have this knowledge at such an early point and to, to his point he's right boston is boston and toronto are tied at 53 points they're 10 points behind tampa and the next closest team in their division is detroit who are 12 points back so yeah with 40 games to go Boston and Toronto are going to play in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, you can start scouting. I mean, like, there's no point in scouting now because who knows what they're going to do with the trade deadline, injuries and stuff. But I mean, I I wonder that if, yeah, like, do you send a couple of your scouts and just have them watch every game? The the bigger question would be do you, you know, does it impact roster moves you make? Like, do you look and say, you know, the Bruins are strong with this or weak at this? You know, we, if we go and get a player who, who would help us in that particular matchup. I don't know if that would, maybe that that's unrealistic, but yeah, it would be, it would be interesting to, to see. Cause this, this is pretty, pretty rare. I can't, Super I can't really rare, think of yeah. examples where you, like, was, it's been so locked in. There was one year where I think like San Jose and LA were destined to play each other, but I don't think we knew that until there was like maybe like a month or two to go, maybe not even two months, but this is, I mean, we're not even at the all-star break yet. And Toronto's going to play Boston in the first round. Yeah, the, the other thing that would be interesting, I mean, I'm just kind of looking it up now, is I'm looking up the, the schedule the rest of the way because 
to, you know, what happens when two teams are playing each other in February who already know that they're going to play in the playoffs? Like, do you have to worry about guys going after certain guys? Are you sending message? Are you setting the tone for mm, the tone. for the playoffs already? That that kind of thing. That tone needs to be set. It's not going to set itself. Yeah, the Leafs and Bruins play once in they play twice in February. Once at the beginning of the month, once after. So, I yeah, I don't know. That would be opening face off. Matt Martin just destroys. Patrice Bergeron with a stick to the throat. I, oh, it was an accident. I was just trying to lift the stick. That trade, sure. <laughs> I think you know that's 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 fair game. To, are there any beards on the Boston Bruins? To take care of uh, Alex Martin. Uh, I think I answered this on another podcast that I, I won't bring up. Just 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 to say I did it. I, Alex Martin says, "Would you rather have Carey Price or Henrik Lundqvist at their peak and completely healthy?" Yes, I saw that and. I get my if, if we're talking at their peak at their peak I and mean, completely peak healthy. Was, yeah. yeah, Carey Price's peak was MVP of the NHL. Right. That's... Like Henrik Lundqvist never had a season that good. So if if I'm picking one season, I'll I'll take Carey Price's. Yeah, me too. MVP season. If if it had to be though like a two or three year window, I mean I I don't know, I think I feel like Lundqvist didn't have like that top of the peak but he probably had a you know certainly a much longer more consistent peak so but I, yeah i go carry price in the mvp year uh yeah i'm the same thing i mean like yeah at, at their peak and healthy that's carry price but he's rarely at his peak and he's rarely healthy so i think if, if it was a one yeah. game to win situation i go lundquist right now and probably at any point really but yeah for at their peak and healthy the guy won the mm-hmm. Hart Trophy. Um, so, it, I, I want to throw one because I somebody sent this one and I I just I like it because it combines my favorite subjects, which is trading and misery. Uh, Matt G <laughs> wants to know which team will buy at the deadline and still miss the playoffs. I love when that happens. Anaheim, the, Anaheim, the LA Kings move from last year. Oh, that's a good pick. Yeah, the Anaheim. See. I'm thinking. I think Chicago is a candidate. Minnesota, because I I still feel like Chuck Fletcher is probably on the hot seat, regardless of how this year goes. Let alone if they were to miss the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, the East is so tight. Like the Metro is so tight. Like the like the Devils could do that, and and then miss the other one. one would be the would be the Islanders because I feel like with the Tavares situation, you know, and then they, like there's there's got to be some sense of urgency that you want to make the playoffs and not not be that kind of also ran team that i mean you don't want to miss the playoffs by a point for the second year in a row well when you've got a 10-year contract that runs forever maybe maybe the, right. maybe the urgency isn't quite what it should be at this point i forgot about that yeah look at that hot hot news from from the from the vice biscuits podcast we've never led you wrong before no uh just i, I just want to do this one real quick because people are going to ask uh, Tim wants to know what are you guys actually doing during those sponsor breaks with no sponsors. So here's the, here's the situation because it is weird that in the middle of the podcast I, I say we'll be right back and then like two seconds later there's no commercial and we're back. They're going to sort of retroactively put the ads in, I think starting a week from now. So when you hear this podcast, you probably already heard the fact that there's no ad unless you're hearing it way off in the future and then you have heard the ads. So there will be ads there eventually. There's just that we just have to put placeholders in for them for now. So. It's yeah. weird, but you will eventually hear some advertising, and then you, you you will hear that like Sean and I were like, "Those are great sponsors," and then we're gonna find out like actually we we hate those sponsors, but it doesn't matter because they're, they're we we love them for real. It doesn't matter, right? I think we do. I don't know. Um, we 
we already did that. I, I feel like I feel like we did a good job with the mailbag this week because all the mailbag questions were like topics that we discussed. Are there any other questions you want to do? Is there any anyone in there? There were good questions. This is good. This is. I I thought the questions was very good, and I think like minimal number of people just being wise as is asking us like what our favorite biscuits are. What's a biscuit? Mm. Do you like this biscuit or that? No. See, the, the, this you person. Know. This person said, "I know Dave Lozo doesn't really care about junior hockey, but please still talk about junior hockey." We did. We talked about junior we, hockey. We kind of did. We sort of kind of did. did. Talked about the World Juniors, sort of. So, uh, I I, this this one, Kyle Kid wants to know, and this is a tough one because I actually didn't hear this podcast he's referencing, but he says, "How is the NHL different if the Kessel for Murray swap?" mentioned by Justin Bourne and Craig Constance on their on a podcast had happened. So I don't know what this is referring to, but I guess presumably that Matt Murray would have been involved in the Phil Kessel trade. Oh, Kessel for Murray. How does hockey history mm. work if that doesn't work out? Because, you know, and, and he, you know, because there's a few ways, right? I mean, first of all, does Pittsburgh win two Stanley Cups without Matt Murray? Uh, does No, probably not. Does Vegas do what they're doing without Marc-Andre Fleury? Probably. Because they wouldn't have him if the Penguins didn't have Matt Murray. Do the Maple Leafs have Matt Murray, which means they don't finish last, which means the Oilers finish last, which means they get Austin Matthews. Like you can go down a whole rabbit hole on on this kind of thing. But so, but if they had gotten Matt Murray, then they wouldn't have gotten Freddie Anderson, right? And so they'd have they wouldn't have got Freddie Anderson, so Freddie which Anderson. they wouldn't, have, you know, which they would have. They used the first round pick from the Phil Kessel trade to get. Freddie Anderson and Matt or, Murray, or Matt Murray I mean, already. who knows like Matt, well, remember Matt Murray that year didn't you know it's not like he he came in and you know, I mean he he only played a few games for Pittsburgh he was down in the minors played a few games and then and then got the starting job in the in the playoffs but you know who knows maybe he'd be maybe it turns out different for Matt Murray maybe he's still wasting away in the AHL because Lou Lamarillo doesn't like rookie goalies and mm. still goes out and he's stuck behind Frederick Anderson who knows do you remember who was in goals for game one that year they won the cup against the Rangers for the Penguins? Because Flurry and, and Murray were still both concussed to start the playoffs. You know who has a Stanley oh, Cup? Oh, yeah, ring? that's right. Who? who yeah, tri- who was it? Jeff Zatkoff. Jeff Zatkoff wow. has a Stanley Cup ring because he played game one of that series, and I'm pretty sure he lost that game. And then they put in Matt Murray for game two, and then everything was everything was all good. And then they there you go. You know what though? If they if the Leafs had Matt Murray, Matt Murray plays against the Caps. Matt Murray's already proven he can beat the Caps. Maybe the that's Leafs. True. Maybe the Leafs win the Cup last year. How about that? That's possible. Maybe that's oh. it. Maybe the the Maple. So the Oilers get Austin Matthews. The Leafs win the Cup. Phil Kessel doesn't get to post hot dog jokes on Instagram. <laughs> I think we're all poor. I think we, it, it, we're, I'm, I'm just listing things that would make people sad. I, I think. Yeah. This is a good time to stop because maybe, we've, we've lost. Maybe, he, maybe Matt Murray was in that trade and some time traveler from the future had to go back. And it's like, I have to stop Lou Lamarillo from acquiring Matt Murray. And he just like showed up and mentioned in passing that Matt Murray had sideburns or something. And that was enough to, <laughs> to crush the gym. Well, all right. Uh, it's time to say goodbye to the readers. It's time to wrap this up. Uh, go online, read our stuff. Uh, go to the Vice Biscuits internet iTunes thing and give us five stars because that makes us look better in the rankings, which makes us more likely to have more listeners and more readers, and that makes us more likely to continue doing the podcast. And um, come back next week where we'll maybe talk about all-star snubs, but it'll probably be so old by then we won't do it. Right on. Yeah. See ya. See you later, everyone. Bye. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.